Hello, good people. <laughs> Welcome to Men Thrive. I am your host, Jeff Johnson. I'm glad to be here for yet another edition of the podcast where we just talk to black men and we talk to them about a wide range of things, but normally uh, just about those things that help us get a glimpse of how they are attempting to thrive versus survive. And uh, I'm excited as always because uh, we, we've always got great folks to talk to. But this episode is going to be a little bit different. We had these two conversations and in some way, shape or form, I really felt like there was a fusion between these two brothers in an interesting way. I mean, right, we I, I, I constantly and unfortunately continue to hear people talk about what black people uh, or what black men do and don't do. Um <laughs> You know, I, I've, I've been scuba diving, I've been skydiving, and, and inevitably had had somebody say to me, oh, you out here doing that white shit. Um, and it's ridiculous on so many levels because, you know, th- there have been black people jumping out of planes since they were planes. And, and why should we relegate ourselves to what somebody else told us was a legitimate cultural experience for us or not? But it persists nonetheless. And it translates into everything from how we vacation to the jobs that we have. And like, so this episode was is an opportunity to take a look at two brothers in particular that just dove into fields that so often you don't see us in at all. And if you do, um, it, it's really not in the space of uh, innovation and driving uh, new practice. And, and, and if, if it is, it's not to the degree that it should be, right? So uh, I'm excited about these two brothers because they said to hell with the boxes, with tradition, with normal. So they could embrace their purpose inside their gift that just happened to be weird enough to be right for them. And, and this is going to be interesting, right? Because I'm, I'm not, we're not going to do one interview and then another interview. There's two brothers that we're going to talk to today. And I'm excited for you to meet both of them. The first brother was born in Akron, Ohio, raised in Los Angeles. He's a dancer. He is a actor. He is a movement artist and the founder of Cyber Yoga. Uh, What is Cyber Yoga, you ask? Calisthenics, yoga, breakdance, evolution, revolution, and yoga is the base that binds it all together. It's it, it really is a new age, futuristic, spiritual practice, as he defined it, for the modern age, as he believes we are spiritual machines. I'm excited for you all to hear from Lamont Good. The second brother I want to introduce you to is in some really interesting spaces. Arthel Isom is a brother from Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, who spent the last 15 years in Tokyo doing what, you ask? Uh, All forms of creative insanity. Uh, He worked his way up uh, as a creative artist and began to work in anime, um, went to Tokyo and worked in some studios and found himself in a place where, as of today, he is the first non Japanese person uh, to run an anime studio. Let me say that again, because because sometimes he's been billed as the first black anime studio in Japan. But no, 
this is a place where the the marketplace is like 95% um, Japanese people in the labor force. There's only 5% of the labor force is non-Japanese. So this brother is doing incredible things. So I'm excited uh, for Arthel Isom uh, and my brother Lamont Good to be part of today's show. Um, and, and to start, listen, this conversation with both of them, th- these weird kids, if you will, and I mean that in only the most amazing of ways, um, was really, really where they started. And Lamont has such an interesting space, man, being a literal B-boy, like traveling the country, doing breakdancing competitions and advancing that part of the culture of hip hop. But he talks about in this early part of the interview, really going from B-boying to his own personal breakthrough. I got to tell you, I really appreciated his transparency as he broke down his own process. Check this out. And so for you, what was either the psychological or situational evolution from b-boying to yoga? And then before we even begin to talk about you attempting to to kind of morph your as opposed to morphing into um, mm-hmm. a practice, which is I think what mm-hmm. a lot of people do with yoga because of. The, the kind of strict Eastern philosophical approach of it, as opposed to you morphing yourself into yoga, you seem to morph yoga into you. Excellent question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so um, I'm grateful for the b-boying and the hip hop and all of that because it took me to a certain level where I just knew like, okay, um, I got in, so it basically went from b-boying, well, actually, it went from, like, house dancing, <laughs> flipping in the fields with the brothers and the Mexicans and the Filipinos to learning how to actually break and learning how to understand that whole foundation of breaking, learning moves, getting into a crew, learning the history, the foundation, meeting pioneers, all that. From that um, evolving into me being in, like, b-boy uh, competitions traveling the world meeting other b-boys all over the world so i'm pretty much like established in the b-boy community but from there i just felt like i was like missing something i was just i felt like there was another element missing and one day i was watching uh the cirque du soleil video and <laughs> these two amazing like russian like strong men one guy was like literally like balancing on one hand and i was just like there's something about this skill that I absolutely had to learn. Just learning, learning how to balance on one hand for me was like the best like Jedi concept <laughs> ever, you know. And you know, not to mention, I was inspired by Star Wars. So uh, burned in my head was Luke Skywalker balancing on a rock with Yoda on his foot. And so as a kid, I was like, oh my god, he's balancing on one hand. Fast forward years later. And I see these guys balancing and training. I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to learn this skill. Like, I believe that I can really learn this skill if I put my mind and mind to it. And so I started to try to practice by myself. Mm. And magically by chance, my girlfriend was from Europe. And I went to go visit her in Europe, right? And she was in a dance company at a rehearsal. And magically by chance, law of, law of attraction, Okay, synchronicity, 
happens to be a Cirque du Soleil coach that teaches <laughs> hand balance at the studio. <laughs> and she saw me, you know, practicing one of hands and she's like, well, what are you doing? Like, like you're doing it wrong. I'm like, who are you? Like, she's like, oh, uh, I'm from Cirque. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, I, I don't want really, God, whatever, architect, synchronicity, whatever, was like put me at the right place at the right time to learn this certain specific skill. So I learned this skill for about, what, five, six years and kind of like took the B-boy concept of that and then applied it to the circus training. Mm. Uh, but then even then, after after I've like understood the concept. Lamont, before, before you go it, on, before you go on, because I'm super interested, like what? What was the goal for you in, at this point? Like, what was the goal literally just to master this because you wanted to master this? Or did you have clarity that you wanted to do to, to turn this into a career and and make money off of it? Like what? Because that's a lot what you're talking to me about. And, and I'm just curious because because I love mastery and I'm always curious about people's motivation for mastery. And, you know, thank you for asking that, because it was just that. Um, I'm very big into like listening to my head's technology, which is my, my intuition. So I, I really like listen to my higher self. I listen. And when I'm like motivated or like inspired by something, I just, I just go full throttle. I listen to it. And so it was more of like hand balancing for me was mastery of the mind and body. Mm. Like to just learn how to balance on one hand for me was like the, was like the epitome of like training. So it was just that, but at the same time I knew and felt that I had a calling for something, it wasn't really clear because I wasn't on the right spiritual path then. And then so after after the acrobatics and the b-boying was mastered, I felt there was something missing. I felt there was something missing to uh, my training. And one day I came across uh, this yoga magazine and it was like this, um, this, you know, this older white guy doing these amazing poses. And I'm like, you know, and, and you know, mind you, he was like in his 50s. So I was already blown away by the fact that he's in his 50s doing these amazing poses. But prematurely, I was thinking, oh, my God. I'm like, if I can learn how to break and do acrobatics and then put yoga into my practice, it's going to be game over because I'm going to smoke everybody in battles. Like, you know, it, it, like for me, it was more like, like a battle mentality. Like, okay, if I learn these moves, I could take these moves and like flip them. And then, you know what? I'd be the best B-boy in the world because I'm applying all these different things. But I was already setting myself up because what yoga really gave me and what I needed was more spirituality in my life mm -hmm. that I did not have. Mm -hmm. because b-boying is very extreme you know you know it's it's still like a street dance so i'm not focusing on spirituality i'm focused on all ego you know yeah, how to it's be narcissistic somebody, how they girls because i'm dope and all these things but and what i needed was more self-love and more self uh union and allowing more spirituality in my life of course like you know my uh brother and mother you know they're all christians and all that um but there's something that i just wasn't really connecting on a deeper level. Um, it was always there, but yoga gave me more of understanding and peace and like salvation. And so understanding and learning, learning how to be patient with yoga, learning, learning how to honor your body, your mind, your spirit, to eat right, to be around certain people, 
you know, listen to the quietness and all these different things. It just, it changed my perspective about my practice. And so many years of that, I, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was doing that for a little bit. Um, then it wasn't until 2012, I had a crazy um, depression breakup with my wife at the time we broke up. And that year of like 2012 was like the worst year of my life ever because I had like lost myself. So I wasn't training. I wasn't eating. I was just wasn't on the right vibration and mindset at all. But there was something about yoga that was like there. It was like, mama, like, like you can't give up. You got to get back on your training is there for you. And so it was yoga that gave me like the inspiration and like motivation um, to like pick myself back up. And then from that, I had the idea of like cyber yoga. And while Lamont talks about this kind of birthplace for cyber yoga being the birthplace of his breakthrough, uh, Arthel really goes further back and, and deals with this, this sense that he was built, conditioned uh, in large part by his parents to curate the space he was in versus that space curating him. I don't know how many of you can relate. Check him out. Always recognize like how important those moments are because like those are really those are really interesting career defining if not life defining moments where you decide to say okay, I'm I I am fully going to jump into this box that everybody says I have to be in or I'm like, "No, nah, wait a minute." I can't do this. Why? So, so how do you remember? I mean, you tell that story. So do you remember how you respond? How did you respond to that? Yeah. Like, you know, so I, I remember when the, and I, actually, I actually don't remember that department head. Like, for some reason that he's kind of like, he's like disappeared. His image is like not even in my head anymore. It's so weird. But I remember just kind of being like, well, like, I'm sure there's a way to make it work. You know, I'm going to figure it out. But, you know, until then, I guess I'm just going to be taking these classes, right? And then, man, it kind of shows, right? Like, it's all my grades, you know, they're so bad. And, like, because I wasn't really interested in those things. And I would kind of try to figure out how to make the classes I was taking um, work for me. Because I, I guess that would, like, say for, I, I don't know, like, if, if there's if there are youth, like, in the audience who are listening to this, you know, we have to, some like, it's, sometimes we can't control the world, right? We can't make every space be our space. But what we can do is figure out how to make the space that we're in work for us. And, and I think that was kind of my answer to my short-term answer at that time was that, okay, if I have to take this, and I remember like, man, I remember like, cause I took a still life painting class and, and I would paint like everything else with just like everything else except the still life. And then I would put like one object <laughs> in my t-shirt. <laughs> no, and then he was like, oh, you, you do realize you were supposed to have a whole bunch of objects in here. And I was like, I got, I got one, there's one pot in the middle of this whole painting. And he was, but he kind of really, he's an artist himself, right? And he super appreciated that. He was like, well, I can't say you didn't do the assignment because you did. And at least the pot looks nice, but so does everything else, you know? And, and so he was, and I did that like in all of my classes. Like I was just kind of, they're like, okay, here's the figure drawing class. And I would put like one little figure in like a world somewhere, you know? <laughs> like, but I'm drawing the figure, but let me just paint the room, the figures in, and I'm going to focus on that. But then I was lucky. And so, yeah, like just trying to make, trying to make the space that you're in like work for you. I think that's like, that was kind of what I was like learned, right? And what I hear from both of them 
you know, as, as we had that conversation is that wrapped in our gift is the source of our greatest strength, our, our superpower, if you will. And, and so often that superpower is wrapped in our culture, our story, our people, our ancestors. And so, you know, I had an interesting conversation with Arthel about what is black <laughs> and, and what is black enough. And for a lot of us, we've been having that conversation far too long. But but it's interesting in a, pl- in, a in a time and place where you can get canceled by somebody that didn't even create your culture. And and we can question how authentically they're even operating in it. And we can simultaneously have people tell us that we're not black enough based on somebody else's litmus of blackness, despite the fact that everything about me is black. And so both of those are interesting. And and Arthel kind of goes into this whole notion of, you know, who is he? And I am the culture or am I the culture? (laughs) Check this out, Joe. I I really enjoyed this conversation with him. It is like, like, you know, you're always trying to figure out who you are, right? Like, you're always, like, we're always in a journey trying to figure out who, who we are, right? Like, who, mm-hmm. who, who am I? And, and then, and then who we are, right? And I always, and so, because I, I had been asked this question too, how do I stay connected to the culture, even though I'm not even in the culture anymore? I'm like, oh, I'm like, shoot, I'm, I don't know, like, depending on which culture, I'm like 6,000 miles away, right? From the culture, right? And at least the American culture. And so the black American culture, the Native American culture, and like, so I'm out here and, or when I was in California, I kind of made it a habit or it was like, it was like this goal of mine to, to find my culture there, you know? Mm. And so I would, I would hang out with like, so like my friend, the people I hung out with, like, you know, besides, besides the other kids in my class and stuff. But I also just hung out with the black kids, right? And like I hung out, like even though it was like four or five, right? Like I, I found those four or five black kids and I would draw with them. I would go to their house every day. And then they introduced me, like a man, like I have like some pairs who can't sort of shout their names, but I would if it was okay. But like <laughs> but like, you know, who introduced me to like Bahamadia, they introduced me to Black Star mm-hmm. and like and it was like, Oh, this is dope. And then like, you know, some of my friends like so one of my favorite rappers was called DMX and one of my friends, he, you know, he grew up in New Jersey and he, so he gave me, he would always give me through, through his five finger discount. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about too much about that, but he, he, man, he always gave me CDs and I know he didn't pay for them, but I was thankful. <laughs> so like I had these, I had like, you know, two, I, I would have every DMX CD that came out. Right. And like, and so I, and, and I learned during that time that, that, you know, that there's always outlets and there's always ways to stay connected to my people or to, to just stay connected, right? Like just to stay connected to, to, to the culture, to, to try to figure out, like, you know, you can still do something. And, that, and that's always been part of my kick that I can do something different. I can draw, I can do whatever I can, but it, I don't have to be, you know, that kid, right? I can, I can still be black and like anime being black and like anime is dope. Like being black. But it's like you, you, like you, you, but you to, are the culture. So and, and yeah, I think yeah. that's the important thing, right? Like there, there's not yeah. there's not a black story, and so yeah, yeah, your story is the black story. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's part of this really unique and beautiful and nuanced mosaic mm-hmm. of 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 what that means, and 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 that's why yeah. I ask because I think sometimes I think you said it best. 
sometimes people are trying to find a new culture um, yeah, yeah. because there's so much trauma in what it means mm-hmm. to be <clears throat> a black American in particular yeah. that mm-hmm. that we don't always have confidence in saying, well, whatever I'm doing is part mm-hmm. of the culture yeah. because yeah, I yeah, am yeah. the culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I, like, so I, I watch these. I watch these, uh, I'm always watching, uh, where I like, you know, I watch a few other shows and things that are, are they're, they're like different shows here, so I'm not going to say the name, but like I watch these other shows and things and, you know, and like, yeah, yeah you're absolutely correct. It's like everything that black people do is, is part of the culture. It doesn't matter what it is that we're doing. And, mm-hmm. and in every space is a space that black people can be in. And I, and I think, and I want, I want for our youth, and our, you know, to understand that and to, to, to fully understand it though, that it doesn't matter what space you're in. There is no space that's not for black people too, right? Now, now it's different. So, so I'm not for, for just like, it, this is only a black space. Like, I think a space should be open for everybody. And so, but I, I think that, but something that we always have a fear, like, you know, like, so right when I first went to Japan, like, you know, I talked to my parents and people like that. That's always their first question. Oh, right, you in Japan, like, but they, you know, they accept you. <laughs> you know, every space is for black people, right? right? Black people can be accepted everywhere in the world. Actually, like, like the rest of the world is super accepting of black people. It's America that like, you know, that used to have uh, issues. I don't yeah. know about now, but like, you know, like the world really is accepting of black folk and like you can you can go anywhere. Every space is for black people. And, you know, and our culture is loved like all over the place, you know, and, and like we can and it's an opportunity if our culture isn't loved there, then go there. Right? Like if you're a black fo- if you're a black person and you like I don't know, like if you want to move to where well, I can't even think of a place <laughs> I can't think of anything, but if you want, if you want to move to like wherever, like the Gobi Desert or something, but like you just want to, like you want to go out there, then go out there and then and then shoot, like introduce something black, right? Like introduce introduce yourself, like that's just black enough, like right. just being there. Yeah. It, that's it. Like it, it doesn't have to be like, well, this is what it means to be black, because like you said, like like I like how you said that, like we we are the culture, right? Like we are. This is who we are, and the by very by that very definition of the being born black. Whatever we do is black. And that is for damn sure. Because uh, I'm tired of people talking about who's black enough when they haven't even defined their own greatness. Get the hell out of here. Now, listen, I'm not saying we don't hold people accountable, y'all. And I don't say that um, we don't uh, ensure that those that are attacking the culture, uh, that we don't hold them accountable. But uh, we spend a whole lot of time culture policing folks. Um, when we haven't even made a huge contribution. Let me get off of that. Because what what I really enjoyed was this kind of opportunity with Arthel uh, that that led to a whole nother level of, of metaphysical space with Lamont. And so it's like, how do I tap into the me I don't yet know? Because as, as Arthel is, is even dealing with the tension between I'm in Japan, I'm, I'm not in Patterson, I'm not even in the United States, I've been there for so long, and, and what's now black? Well, damn it, that is me. But, but there's this piece, there's this deeper piece that we go into with Lamont. Um, that, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to set it up in a way that biases anybody. I just am... Um, incredibly encouraged when I hear brothers willing to share their own exploration about figuring out 
how they were going to figure out who in the hell it is they are. Uh, and this is what we're getting from Lamont. Um, this year, this year, I've attended uh, ceremonies, um, ayahuasca ceremonies, because mm. I felt like I had to, it was like the universe or God was saying, hey, like you need to go in deep, go deep within to seek deeper into what you're doing and why or how. But I had a calling to do ayahuasca. Um, and it's, it's changed my life tenfold, even more. Mm. And what I understood through ayahuasca, my first ceremony, ayahuasca ceremony, is that I'm a healer. I'm, and and my, my, my movement is primarily, um, I heal through movement. And I understood how deeper sab yoga is. It's not just a name and what's happening now. It's something that's ancient. I'm channeling something ancient from, I can't even, I had a friend that did ceremony last month. He is my best friend. And he even told me, uh, because I inspired him to go to ceremony, mm -hmm. he told me that sab yoga is something, something ancient that's been around for a long time and I'm just re-manifesting it now. So well, does, you know, so, and so it's like when I and, and it's, a state of, it's, it's, it's a state of mind, it's peace, clarity, understanding, compassion, evolution, consciousness, God source, all of those things. But what I think is interesting and, and because you have um, so been, uh, had a level of integrity to your intuition, which, and I think you already started talking about the fact that, you know, if, if we, if we aren't so caught up in the antiquated, uh, definitions of, of what humanity is from a physical perspective, and we're open to a metaphysical kind of view of, um, us as mindful matter. Um, I think as Dispenza talks about it, and, and this reality that we are way more spirit than we are matter. And as a result of that, we tap into spirit. And I think there's something to be said, and, and, and this is kind of a moment in American history in particular, that this is going to make more sense to, to people than it may have uh, five months ago. But there is, I think, this this reality. People talk about the the original sin uh, being slavery from a geopolitical standpoint, and that's bullshit for a number of reasons. Because if we think about the Greeks and the Romans and their quest to imperialize intellectualism, so that they wanted the world to believe that they created intellect, which means that they removed the contributions of sub-Saharan African people and even Northern African people. And, and why that's important to even bring it up now is because, and you tell me if you think I'm crazy, when I'm listening to you, what I'm hearing is that because of what has been done to us as diasporic people in America and, and around the world, there are ancient stories of ours that we've never heard. Um, we've never heard them. They haven't been written. They haven't been shared. They haven't been passed down. They haven't been memorialized. They haven't been put in museums. They haven't been put in libraries, but they exist. 
And and if we as diasporic people are tapping into not religion from a dogmatic standpoint, but honest spirit from that which we came from, then everything you do, if you're tapping into that, is calling on something that's existed before. But the fact in many cases that the authentic root of that for us is not documented, people think is kooky and in some way, shape or form an affront against ancient Eastern philosophical practices or ancient Western philosophical practices. Um, and, And listen, tell me if you don't think I'm making sense, but everything you just said to me about what you're doing being ancient um, but undocumented makes sense to me because everything ancient about us is undocumented. Absolutely. So, so I, I'm, I'm sorry I went on that tangent, but, but that to me was just so profound because no. I'm so uh, tired of folks minimizing our quest to spiritually connect with that which we came from that we were disconnected from. Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're not going off brother. It's, it's more of like confirmation for me is that I understood through ceremony that um, the soul remembers it's still, it, it like it stores memory. Like, and if you're tapped in on a certain level, subconsciously, you'll be able to get downloads. And I was subconsciously getting downloads prematurely that was setting me up for the future. I was like, I just knew, I was like, there's something like, I feel like I have this strong lineage. I know, I feel, I remember, but I can't, I can't see it, but my soul remembers something. Yo, and and I don't know how many of us have felt that way. I, I fully believe um, that there are these gaps as a result of our own history, but I can't see it, <laughs> but it's there. Arthel is very clear about where it was from, and it was his daddy. Uh, really loved talking to him about the role that his father played in preparing him to be the man that he currently is. Uh, I had an amazing relationship with my father, and so I, I relate in, in a lot of ways uh, to how Arthel talks about his dad showing up in his life. I think you'll enjoy this. People, people often put black men down and you, and something I learned from my dad is that you you don't even like because like my parents were never married, but my dad was always in my life. Mm-hmm. He was always in our life, and, and my mom too, right? But I mean, that was just the relationship that they had. But that didn't affect how they raised us or anything. You know, it was difficult for them. I'm sure it was, right? And I'm sure there's things that kids don't see, but but what I did see is that they were both in our life, and that they both kind of they had their own way of teaching us. Like my mom was like, you know, she pushed the creative side of us. She she loved that we drew. And, you know, our, man, like we would have to, you know, I, I used to hate it, right? Because all kids hate having to go and buy stuff with like, what, like food stamps. I mean, I hate that. Like, ah, why do I got to use food stamps? Mom, why can't I just use real money? <laughs> you know, like, you know, you got to go to the store and like, you like, you know, it's like shy and put the food stamps on the counter. But, or like go and ask, like sometimes we didn't have money, but we still need food, right? And so mom would send us to the store to, um, to ask for credit, which I think if you grew up in the ghetto, you know what credit is. Mm-hmm. Like you go to the corner store and you're just like, yeah, like, yeah, my mom's got like credit. Can, can we put this in the credit? And then, but, but all those things taught me that there is always a solution, you know, and that like 
that there there is no problem because there are always be people who are willing to help you and, and and if you want it right and, and so and and so I think and then with my dad man like shoot like he like yeah, just by watching him work and we, like my dad worked so hard like he, even when we were in high school we would get home we had to help our dad build a house which sucked. I think I probably did better in high school if I didn't have to have that with that build the house, but we had to do that. And so, so like we get home. And I remember I, I joined the academic decathlon, which was like this group where you had to uh, we would compete against other high schools in the area. And um, you know, so they chose the kids who who were the highest. Like we, we took alpha classes, and I, I love school probably just because it was an escape from building the house or <laughs> doing stuff, you know, like crazy hard work, crazy labor. But, but I still love, I love school so much. And so I would, I would go to school and then I was in this academic decathlon. I remember my dad, I came home and my dad was like, all right, so if you want to uh, join the competition and most kids would like most people, most parents would jump at the opportunity. It's like, Oh, your kid gets to represent like Patterson, but our school <laughs> to go and join this competition. But my dad was like, total opposite. He was just like, okay, if you want to go and, and do these competitions and stuff, you got to uh, finish building the bathroom. It's <laughs> like, what? Like in a day. <laughs> so like, it was, no, like, like that's the master like, coach. Though, man. So... That's, that's the master coach yeah. understanding <laughs> what is the motivation yeah that is going yeah, to yeah. get the greatest performance out of this kid of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Because the kids in my class are like, we hate your dad. You know, your dad is so crazy. Like, he, what the heck, dude? Like, why can't he see that school's important? But I was like, I, I was like, I think he sees school's important. Like, we're, I'm still here. But, like, it was just like, you know, and I, it was so crazy because I remember that day, man. Like, I had to go – like the competition started at 8 a.m. The next, no, no, it was always early, right? You, you have to get ready and go. So it was like we had to be in the, in the van at like 6 a.m. in the morning. But we got out of school practice. It was like 6 o'clock, so I got home. And then we had to finish building the door and like the, the floor or something like that. We had, and, and when I say build the door, I don't mean like go to Home Depot and just buy one and just screw it in the wall. I mean like because my dad didn't have that kind of money. And so it was like we literally had to build the door. Like I had to get some plywood, measure it, cut both sides of it, put it through, like actually build the door from scratch. And so, so we had to, you know, like my brother and I, so my brother was helping, my sister was helping. And I was just so mad. And my stepmom and my dad were arguing. <laughs> She's all like, why are you going to, why, why you have your son building a bathroom, building a door <laughs> until it's like 4 a.m. And you know, he has a competition at six. And then, but you know, I, I finished the bathroom door and I was like, dad, like we finished the door. Can I, can I go to the competition? Like, you know, so I was still like dirty. <laughs> I just changed my clothes. And then I, I got in the back, I got in the van with my classmates and stuff. And they were like, oh shoot, man. Like we didn't even think your dad was going to let you go. All right. Well, we're glad you're here. And then we went to the competition and we, uh, you know, we did the competition. Of course, I was tired as heck. And so, like, I think I slept, like, half the competition. I was, like, not off part of the competition. But I still won an award, which is crazy to me. Because, like, I didn't, I couldn't go to the um, the award ceremony. Because we were still, we had to do something with our dad. But when I got to school the next day, they had a medal. And I got, I got, um, I can't remember what place. I think it was, like, first place or second place for, um, to, for, so there's all different there were all different sections like history you know math and and then there was the art section and i got and i got first place in the art section and i had to recite a thing like you know it was like these crazy questions where you would hear music and you had to tell exactly who made it mm -hmm. blah, 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 or you know you look at a piece of artwork and you can sell who it is and they were like dude you won an award man like 
that's so crazy. Like you, you weren't even there to get it. And I was just like, oh, but I was out. Like I didn't even care about being there to get it. I was so excited. Like I, I uh, took the award back and showed my dad, you know, but, but just back to your point, like rambling again, but just back to your point about like not seeing problems. Like I think that those things is what kind of taught me then, you know, because our, our dad would just kind of like tell us like, yeah, like, like there's, there's always opportunities in the world and then nothing can stop you from getting them, but nothing's easy. You have to work for everything. And he had like all these like lessons and he would be talking for like an hour, man. I would just fall asleep while our dad was talking, but like, <laughs> and he would just talk and talk and talk and talk. But like, but everything he said, even though it's like through osmosis or something, like it's still in my head, you know? And so, but no, I but it like, sounds like he was like the black Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Not the black Mr. Miyagi. Um, but I, but you know what? I mean, I, I listen to this even now and I hope that my kids hear my voice when they're not in the house and they're away from here and they're on their own and they're doing their own thing. Uh, that, that's so profound. And, and I think it's the, the desire of not only most dads, but most parents that that would be the case. And, and the place that that shows up the most is, is how we decide to lead. And I wanted to talk to Arthel about how he wants to lead into the future. How can he be a leader in uh, what's next in anime, both from an institutional standpoint and in some cases, like where is it going to be next? What part of the world is it going to go to? So this was this was a cool conversation because I, I think leadership and how we view ourselves within leadership gives the world a real indication of where it is that we want to go. Check it. I mean, you've done such an amazing yeah. job of, of I think, this integral route of being Japanese rooted and, and coming and learning the language and the culture uh, and learning from some, some inc- amazing people. Um, but, but, but as you think about expansion now, what does that mean for you, even as you think about the States? or Europe yeah. or Africa like what is yeah, what is, yeah. what is what is this what does it look like for you what are you excited about um in the industry now that you're not just a participant but you're actually a leader yeah 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 leader I'm always like oh man am I a leader <laughs> <laughs> but like um I no but I am the one thing I I am excited about is just what you just said like it like I am I hope for our company to be one of those vehicles, right? Like I hope that our company can help push that, that change, right? Like I don't, and I don't mean that I feel that our company is going to show Japan something because that's not why our company is here. And that's mm-hmm. not even, that's not even on my registry. Like I'm just like, okay, cool. Japan's Japan. And then my company is my company. But, and so I hope that like our company can, you know, create content that even the rest of Japan will look at and think, and maybe even take some inspiration from that, that even Western animation series, right? Like, you know, we'll hopefully look at it and take inspiration from it. I hope that like we can uh, tell stories from all over the world. Like, you know, I'm in meetings now with, yeah, actually with creators in Africa, with creators in like South America, with creators from all over. And, and I hope that, you know, it's because of just what our studio represents and if we are and the kind of the, the openness, like, you know, I think like people, they feel that they can just kind of talk to us and I, I don't know, maybe I have no idea what it is, but, but they contact us and they want to tell their stories through us. And, I, and I'm super appreciative of that. And I hope that there's just more companies and things that just want to 
tell their have us tell their story you know and and with that being able to put put more of you know culture and put more of a just diversity and um and, and all of that and into just what we're creating you know and and um and like like all companies like i hope that our company just becomes just just a massive company like you said and hopefully a real leader right like a real leader amongst these anime studios and um you know that we can could be counted you know it's like so when people like list off the list of studios that they love and why that they are is in that list and then the reasons why is because they like our characters or they like the stories that we're telling you know and they like these these new stories like i hope that that is the sentence right? that that that's the you know the narrative that we hear right the conversation that's heard that's heard around when people discuss our our you know when they discuss they are stagio that Oh, we have some dope characters and we have dope stories mm-hmm. and stories that have never been, you know, like just new stories, stories that they haven't heard before. They, you know, and it's not that like we're going to be telling, um, you know, yeah, like our, our company, like we're not, we're not activists and they're not trying to be, you know, like I think like that does not what I mean. Like I hope that like just the stories that we're telling people just like those things. Right. And then that people just appreciate the, our voice, you know, and whatever that may be like, um, you know, we're on this journey and we're always like, like all companies, right. You're always trying to figure out what your brand is and who you are and what we represent and, you know, what, and so, and hopefully that we can just do things that people like, you know. And whether you're doing something that people like or inspiring people with stuff that they may not like, but, but you're moving them in, in a way creatively that it's sparking something in them, uh, either is is really a level of growth, right? But as I talked to Lamont about what was next for him, he went into what he was going to be creating, this new offering uh, that he wanted to share, that he wants to share with the world. And, and I'm super curious, whether you're a yoga head or whether you've never done yoga before, I'm super curious about what you think about this idea that he's coming up with, which is in a lot of ways different, at least than anything I've heard before. I don't like it myself, an expert in the yoga space. I'm, I'm damn sure not. Um, but I know I ain't never heard nothing like this before. <laughs> Let me know what you think. And so what's next for you? I mean, as you, you, you're clearly on this um, kind of perpetual evolution that you're open to and excited about and committed to, and oh, so as you, as you think about you. kind of this season um, of your life, what are you excited about? And um, wow. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm uh, very excited about where uh, Sabioga is going and Team Sabioga, but I'm happy to introduce another movement practice with my partner that we created called Neo Sutras. It means new language or new scriptures. And basically this is like a movement to cultivate and to inspire the relationship of two partners, man and woman or whatever partners, but really focus on the integrity of connection between lovers and partners. Mm. So we've managed to create this movement, new sutras, uh, 
my my half is Sab Yoga and my partner, she's an amazing dancer, artist, performer. Um, and we came together and we wanted to create something that's going to inspire people all across the world. Couples. Like we really feel like we we really want to show what it's like when two people come together and they're one unit in movement. Mm-hmm. And so it's technology for couples. It's like a dance dance therapy for couples. Neo Sutras. I love and it. So Again, it's about, we want to really inspire humanity. We really want to promote love and compassion even more now than ever because of COVID and the whole racism thing. We feel like that's just, these are just. But so many, but so many of us need other bridges for intimacy um, exactly. b- because so this, we, we've either I'm, been mistaught. Um, we've been in very, um, holistically transactional relationships that are rooted in that are rooted in narratives that don't match the connectivity. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I, I know that with my wife and I, and, and even with, with men in particular that I know who struggle for new forms of intimacy that are rooted in touch, but not sex and sensuality um but not penetration neosutras no no i'm feeling that's why i said i love it um i think that there there is not only therapy there uh but there's also celebration um and it and it creates space also to um and i don't know if this is where you're going so tell me tell me if i'm wrong but it also sounds like something that if done properly and the spiritual foundation of humanity and acknowledgement of value in my partner disconnected from what they can do for me. Um, there is such an opportunity to, to not remove sex, um, but to create this space where, the, the physical interaction and movement and and unity um, can be desexualized uh, that that for in a in a society that is so over sexualized um, has sometimes lost the sensitivity of the intimacy and touch you said it perfectly brother you said it you, you hit the nail on the head perfectly we wanted to create something that was That's going exciting. to not because we've been programmed by society we've been completely programmed and it was something that we got downloads of like hey we need to create something that's going to reinstall love and compassion with with partners it's mm-hmm. not in a sexual way like when you see what we're doing it's not sexual it's something different and so when we love we launched our first video last march we're like oh my god like when like when should we, you know, launch this video and uh, promote it? I was like, one day I was like, you know what? We need to launch it now. Mm. Posted it. Within a week, it had like 50 million views, 50,000 shares. But what got me the most was the comments. Mm. People saying like, saying things like, 
we feel something, but we don't know how to explain it, but there's something from this video that we feel that's so powerful. Uh, the, it's just a sense of love and connection, but people were, they didn't know how to describe how they felt. This is when we know that we, we touched another level um, is because our, our overall intentions were pure about really showing and being love, mm -hmm. compassion and understanding and what, what couples and what the world needs, right? But even more now than ever, people need this connection more now than ever because of what's happening with COVID and all this racism. We need more connection and more love and more compassion and more understanding. And, you know, you know, that year after we, you know, we're trying to get new sutras booked and shows and all these things it just wasn't working out. But then we understood during COVID is a reason why we created new sutras. Mm -hmm. COVID. It's what people need now. Because couples are probably going through the most craziest times right now. People need to be even more connected now than ever. People are beefing and fighting all these different things, the stress and the, the programming, all the, the negativity and all this nonsense. It's like, okay, but what's the solution? So we wanted to we wanted to provide a solution for humanity. You know, this, this is from 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 our perspective and, and, and like what we're sharing and um, contributing cyber yoga and neo sutras. We want to contribute towards humanity, and that's this consciousness and like evolution. Cyber yoga is more of a, a inner personal strength and like understanding of the self and the mind, body, and spirit going into the future. And neo sutras is like life itself. It's like the male, the female, the the partnership, partners, whatever it is, man. But partners coming together to create one. Mm -hmm. Man, you better get some of that. Um, and, and while this is something that he is really just in the process of rolling out, it it's it's different. And and that's what I like. I actually like when we're thinking about things that just don't make any damn sense. And they they push the envelope of our own level of comfort and you share them with people and they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And and I think that is where greatness lies, because even if we fail on that process of creating something that doesn't exist, boy, we've done something incredible. And, and as I ended my conversation with Arthel, we, we talked a little bit about uh, evolution. You know, where is he going from here and what does he want to do with the company? Where does he want to take it? And as pragmatic as his brother is, he's also got mad aspiration. But I love how he downplays it in the name of this kind of futuristic uh, leveled growth versus the kind of dope engagement uh, that he's doing when he's making a video for the weekend or uh, creating his latest story uh, that's being seen all over the world. Uh, how he looks at his own evolution is quite inspiring. Take a listen. You have to change at every point in your life, right? So, and, and and I think people think about this change as it being a negative thing or a hard thing, but it's not because we do it all the time, right? If you're, you were the ace student in elementary school, 
just because you know how to do one plus one is two, that's not going to help you graduate from high school, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like now you have to learn those new things that's going to help you become an A student in high school. And then the same for college and the same once you work, you always have to change. So like what, what got you here won't get you there. It's like whatever. Like, so yeah, this got me into college, but it's definitely now the thing that got me into college is not what's going to get me into the workforce, right? Like getting, mm -hmm. putting in the work in college and doing everything else and becoming a different person is what's going to get me into the workforce. And so I view that, I also view my life that way. And so I'm like, okay, cool. This is what got me here to be a CEO of this company. But now, you know, like you said, like, you know, I have this kid and I have, I have a, a kid and I have um, you know, fans and I have people who look up to me and I have like people who appreciate what I'm doing and, you know, and, and, and just the folk, right? Our folk who, who are out there hoping that I represent for the culture and like, you know, and it's just like, but all of that is important. And, and I think, you know, and so that weighs heavily on me because I'm like, man, like I want to, because integrity is important to me, what I do should still come from me and so i'm just like so so i'm like on this journey now to become a new me through just the things of looking watching my son you know as he's like growing up and just doing his thing and you know so he, he's he's biracial and so like you know i have to think about those things too and teaching him what it means to be black but still allowing him to to be able to know what that you know that he's also half japanese and like that culture is just as important and you know, so that he could eat, be balanced. And, but then I'm like, okay, that's that's something. But then in my work, you know, we're like, where what kind of work are we creating? Uh, we like DR Sanjo's images. Like, we actually don't do kids things, but I don't think we have to be doing kids animation to still, you know, be able to tell stories that are and that can be inspirational to children, right? And so. Yeah, and so like, I kind of <laughs> you like just came, <laughs> hey, but like um, you know, so I, yeah, you know, all those things are in my head, and and I and I and so I don't have a total answer yet, right? Because it's just this, this is all new, right? And everything's just happening, and it's happening, and and so, but but I but I can't guarantee that all of these things that. My children and my children, my son, and, and you know our fans, and just the you know the people that who look up to us. That I hope that what, we, what our company becomes in the next few years is also something that people will aspire to, to be a part of, to want to work for, to love, to, to to you know to appreciate. Even if you know, of course, we're gonna make stories that not everybody's gonna like, right? Like, oh, I mean, that was the worst story ever. That movie sucked. <laughs> but like, but that's okay. Like you're like because another thing that I want for Black folk to to and just people in general is because we always feel that everything we do has to be perfect and. And, on, and it probably does, right? Like we have, like man, pressure is on us, right? Yeah, like we, we don't, to, we don't feel like know. we have room to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like we gotta, you know, we always have to do everything. Just, you know, we gotta work hard to be in any space, right? But, but, but I, but I want that to be even dispelled. Like I want that to not even have to be a part of our culture, right? Yes. Like why do we have to work so much harder than others to just do the same thing that other people are doing? Well, and like, I, we should and be able to be in a space magnificently. Yeah. I mean, I want to fail magnificently. Like, I, I, I want, I want, I want to do something that just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, yeah it just bombs. Right? <laughs> like it's bad, and it's like, it's just like what? You know, it's like, you know, we yeah, we get no awards, no nothing, and it's like that sucks. And all the black people just like that sucks. But then, but then they're fine with like looking forward to the next thing that we do. Well, and, right? and, and what like, you learn from that, and the growth you have yeah. from that.
And that's really where we are, right? I, I want to grow in everything that I'm doing. Uh, I want to grow from my failures. I want to grow from my successes. Uh, I want to be able to frame uh, a reimagined vision as a result of that. And, and that was why I really wanted you to be able to meet these two brothers. Both Lamont and Arthel are unique spirits. And, and while we put them both on the show, uh, you saw that they are not the same person. But they are both operating in fields that you had to imagine how many times somebody told them black people, black men in particular, don't do that. And so how many brothers are listening right now that are in like this uber practical space in your life that you know ain't right? Some of us are in uber practical places because that is part of our call. Some of us are in uber practical places because we're scared. And it's funny. I mean, I, I, I discontinued, modified one of my consultant companies because I realized it was a, a, a vehicle of fear. I had created this company and was doing really well, uh, but I created it because it was a buffer from being rejected from uh, BET or from the entertainment space. And, and I could always say that this was just something I was doing on the side because I had this company that was doing A, B, C, and D. And I was profoundly good with this company, but I was not prolifically great. And there was something that, that was just pulling on me like, yo, Jeff, this is not what the hell you're supposed to do because you're supposed to want more. And so as we grow, hopefully we're going to evolve ultimately to the thing that doesn't make sense because only when we get to that to begin to build and to do and to create uh, and to execute on that thing that doesn't make sense, are we actually re meeting the highest call of our purpose? Because that's the point where we got to pull on the shit that we ain't got in the ready. And we're going to fall and hurt ourselves and, and make mistakes and screw up and have people talk about us and all those beautiful things, man, that are a part of our growth. And so I hope, brothers, that you will uh, think about where is that for you? Like, really, where is that for you right now? Uh, where is there a place that rooted in your gift, rooted in your purpose, that you've been called to do or you haven't? You've been called to do or you haven't done it at the level that you know you are being called to. Uh, we got to figure that out because uh, in this world that we're in, there, there's so, there so many people that will celebrate our good, um, either because they don't ever want us to get to great or because they don't even know what great looks like. And I want to be surrounded with people that, you know, challenge me when I've done something incredibly good because they know that the calling on my life is for something great. And so thank you, um, Brother Arthel. Thank you. Brother Lamont, for coming through and being part of the Men Thrive family. Uh, you have blessed us in a way that I don't know if you know. And I'm thankful that you show up in the world on a daily basis and with your true authentic self in the name of not only making money and, and building companies, but of impacting the world because there is a space where you said, fuck survival, I want to thrive. That's what we're doing. Yo, Mo, thank you for being the best producer in the history of producers. <laughs> thank you, Madison, my daughter. 
uh, for being my associate producer. I never thought that I'd have a podcast, let alone uh, one that my daughter was associate producer on. Uh, but Mo's tutelage has made her uh, a fantastic associate producer. Uh, big up and thank you to the entire Men Thrive team as we begin to reimagine how we help brothers thrive. Y'all, please, 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 please hit our website, uh, menthrive.com. Check out our meditations, our blog, become a part of our community. Check out other podcasts uh, that you may not have heard. Uh, but just be a part of this community of brothers and those who love brothers uh, that are saying, listen, survival is not enough. I want to walk in the wholeness of my power and thrive. Y'all love each other, but make sure you love you. Talk to you next week. Yo, thanks for listening to Men Thrive. Did you like us? If you like us, visit your go-to podcast provider and check out other episodes. You can also go deeper by joining our community at menthrive.com. 